Now, we titled this series, and, and it's going to be a series we're doing just in January, and, uh, and then we'll pick back up on uh, Hebrews uh, after the first part of the year. But I, we know God is not really on a time table like we are. He's, he works from eternity. But we, we, we work by calendar, and so oftentimes it's the first part of the year that people are willing to assess some things, take a look at things, see where they are, see where life is, and kind of make some decisions from there. And so I thought it would be appropriate to address some of those things here on the first part of the, part of the year. And the series, the, it, it's simple what the big idea is. If, if, you, if you commit entirely to the Lord, our God is going to bring out his best design in you. That's, it's really just that simple. And so I'm going to talk about things over the next four weeks on where our commitments are, where our heart is, where our mind is, and trust God to do, uh, to do those things. For those of us that are believers that already have a, a, new, a new, we're new in Christ Jesus, there's still, there's still things for us that we can do better. We can be better. We can align better. We can think different. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. If you've never given your life to Christ, it'll be uh, just an, an amazing thing for you to do to make that decision that, hey, you're going you're gonna to begin 2019 by trusting Jesus for your life. I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's the best decision that you will, you will make. And, and even with that, all of us, I, I, well, I, I think uh, many of us, again, try to reflect and look back on things. I was, um, I usually do mine on, on December 31st uh, of the year that I'm in, in this case of 2018. I will look back on the things I wrote down in January 1st of 2018 to see how I, how I lined up. Uh, I, I reflect on that night before, and then I write those things the next day. And w- I, when I looked at the things that I'd done on January 1st, 2018, uh, they, were, they were rather lofty things. And they, they were some things that I, I knew was attainable. Uh, but I, I'll be absolutely honest with you. On January 1st, uh, V and I was in Thessaloniki, Greece. I was on honeymoon. I was feeling good. So I wrote a lot of good stuff. Uh, and so, so I look back on that on the 31st. And, w- and got a little bit disappointed that, you know, as good as I was feeling, it didn't reflect it in, the, in all that I was doing for the, for the year. And, and I, I can be honest with you, uh, of course, it was a good year and, and there was a lot of things that was accomplished. But I had a moment there where I, where I turned to V and I said, man, I just don't feel so good about how this, how, how I didn't make all my... Objectives, and honestly, I could I could make excuses. I could I could say, you know, it was a travel, it's the schedule, it's just the challenges of ministry, unpredictable things, and and make excuses. And I told her when I was thinking about that, I thought about this story. Uh, this pastor had, had said that he, that he had told. He he said there was a, a guy got pulled over by a police officer, and when when he went to the guy and got the dialoguing with him, he knew that there was a problem. So he says to the guy, he says, listen, um, he says, I'm going to need you to take a breathalyzer. And the, and the, the guy says, no, I can't, I can't do that. And he says, well, why not? He says, well, I got asthma. And if, if I overdo it on this breathalyzer, I could die right here in front of you. So he said, okay. So he said, well, why don't, let me just take you down to the station then and I'll just draw your blood. He said, no, 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 I I can't do that. And he said, why not? He says, well, I'm a hemophiliac. And if they don't hit the veins right, I could bleed to death right there in front of all of y'all. He said, okay, well, let's just go to the station and we'll do a 
urine sample. He said, oh, no, I can't do that. He said, why not? He says, well, I'm a diabetic, and you're not going to get a good reading. You're not going to get a good reading. And he says, okay, well, listen, you're going to have to get out of the car, and you're going to have to walk this line. He said, oh, no, I can't do that. He said, why not? He said, because I'm drunk. And so the point is, we can keep making excuses, but all excuses is doing is just reaffirming what we really don't want to put in the effort to do. And God has a good plan for our life. He has one that's right and one that's perfect. And it's, it's up to us, honestly, to embrace and hear what God is saying, no matter what stage of life we're in, no matter where we are in our faith. One of the things that we have experienced, and very much so this year, Uh, has been how many people's lives that have walked into this building at the beginning of the year and to see where they are now. And I I just want to reaffirm this. This this is just, yeah, just uh, what you may call a cheesy plug. One of the reasons we do Grow Track is to help people go through those steps. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, if you, if you give CTC one year, you trust the Lord, and you give CTC one year, I guarantee you your life will be better by the end of the year. I can assure you, you'll know God, you'll find freedom, you'll discover purpose, you'll make a difference. You will absolutely see a difference in your life. Now, I, it, it's, it's, not, it's not easy. It's, it takes some deliberate decisions. It takes some deliberate actions. It, it really takes committing to it. But I, I want to share with you, though, just a few things on where you have to be to, to get to this point for it to be, for it to be better for you. And the first, first thing that the first thought is you got to get a hope for the future. You know, it's amazing to me how many people get in situations and they really believe that's life, that that's the end of it, where people will accept the fact that life is, this is just the way my life is going to be. It will be like this forever. It's not going to change. I love when Markel said when he was baptized, when he made that declaration, he came to the conclusion, this is not the end of my story. My story doesn't finish this way. I, I, got, a, I got an email and the person doesn't go here. They don't live here. So I'm, I'm certainly not bringing any shame to anyone publicly here. But, but I want you to listen to this. I feel like I'm going, this is just a part of the email. I feel like I'm going to end up killing myself by the time I'm 40. I'm about to graduate high school and once that's done, my life is over. I've been in special education math classes all my life. Didn't take the ACT or any AP classes and basically limited to tech school where I probably won't even find a field. I'll be happy, I'll be happy in because my skill set is so limited. I'm considering not even going to tech school because of how slow of a learner I am. I can't even drive. I'm just a fat Peter Pan syndrome baby that can only resort to watching videos about fish tanks and watching Godzilla movies when he's sad. Please, for the love of God, make me feel better. Now, let me tell you something. That may not be you, but there's a lot of folks that get in that kind of condition where they just hit a place where they just think, this is it for me. It can't get any better. It won't get any better. What's the use of me trying to get it better? But, but I'm here to tell you, because there is a God of eternity, and a God who loves you, 
and a God who gave you life and gave you opportunity and who was a God of goodness, who did not create any junk, did not give birth to anybody for destruction because of the God that we serve. Nobody has to stay in that condition. Every one of us can have a hope for the future. We can see beyond that. And that's what God's heart and and call for us is. And it's as simply as making a commitment that I'm going to trust in Jesus. I know you think every week we just like we're up here selling wolf tickets like it's just that easy. I'm telling you, it is. It's as easy as believing the God who loves you and created you is on the throne saying, I am here for you. I am here for you. I am here for you. It's that easy. I think about the fellow in John chapter five. There's a, there's a, there's a place called Bethesda. And Bethesda had this pool, Pool of Siloam, I believe is, is what the um, pool is called. The interesting thing, Bethesda actually, to get into the pool of Siloam, it's coming off of a porch and into the pool. Five steps, five is the number of graces. That's a whole other message in that. But, but these folks gathered here year after year because what, what, the, what was happening there, just by God's great provision, is that there would be a season and a time when the waters would, they were usually still waters in this pool, but there would be a season of time without a pump or anything like we have here where those waters would get the churning. And whoever got into those waters during that time, they would be healed no matter what their condition was. It only happened one time a year. It was one of those a supernatural, unexplained phenomenal that happened in the community. We only believe it was by the grace of God and it only happened one time a year. In John chapter five, it talks about people being deaf and blind and maimed and lame, all kind of people there waiting to get into this pool. There was a man there that had been coming for 37 years. 37 years he's been coming to try to get into that pool, but he was crippled, he was lame. And so because of his condition, whenever people saw the waters stirring, other people would get into the pool before him. He would never make it in there. Well, the good news is this particular day, Jesus came to the pool of Siloam. He showed up. And when Jesus sees this man, he says to the man who had been there now, this is 38th year, he says, do you want to be made well? Now, we would almost think that was a silly statement. And I, and I being a smart mouth that Tyrone P. Jones, or if Jesus would have said that to me, I probably would have looked at him and said, come on, no, duh. I mean, come on, man. I'm coming here 37 years. What do you think? But so the man said, said, do you want to be made well? The man response was, he says, every time I get up to go, other people get, get there before me. Jesus said to that man, because watch this. This is what Jesus saw in that man. 37 years and not getting in there, but 37 years of a hope for a future. 37 years of coming back. 37 years of not giving up. 37 years, sure. Anywhere down the line, year seven, year nine, year 15, he could have said, I'm never going to make it. There are, people that can hear can still run. Even people that are blind, somebody can help them, but I'm lame. I, he could have gave up any time. But once Jesus heard him say, man, I've been here 38 years and I can never beat anybody in the pool, Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. It happens just that fast when we call out on the name of the Lord Jesus. Am I talking to the right church? Here is what the scripture says about 
our future. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration, plans for your well-being, not for disaster. Hear this, to give you a future and a hope. Can you say amen? That's our God. Have a hope for the future. And the second thing I want to share with you about that is turning from the past. Turning from the past. Now, let me tell you why I think this is important to hear. Because all of us, all of us know, obviously, wherever God wants us to be, is better than where we are now or where we have been. We all know that. But I think all of us do sometimes have those seasons and circumstances and situations in our life where we talk about wanting it to be better, but we don't let go of what's right there. We don't let go of what we're in. We don't let go of the circumstance. We don't let go of the situation. Somehow or another, some reason or another, sometimes we get comfortable with certain surroundings and certain people and certain relationships and certain things. And we know we should be better. Listen, this young man that got baptized this morning, you could have talked to him three weeks ago, a month ago, and he'll tell you, even when he was still in the situation he was in, he would tell you then, man, I really want to be better. But for some reason or another, we get stuck sometimes in those situations. And we got to learn, when, whatever God is doing before us, we got to learn how to leave that stuff behind. There, there's a story in the scripture about a young man by the name of Lot. Now, Lot was the nephew of Abraham. Many of us that have been in church in any given time, ever went to Sunday school, you've heard of Abraham. We know him primarily scripturally as he's a friend of God, the Bible says, but also a father of our faith. It's because the Lord gave instruction to Abraham and told Abraham, with all that you have and all the protection and guidance from your family, your father, I want you to leave your family and I want you to take a journey. And there's going to be people that are going to be with you from your your, uh, household, your wife and your children. And I'm going to lead you to a place and where I tell you to stop, that's where I want you to establish a relationship with me. And that I'm going to use that relationship and your faith to be the foundation of the faith of what became the nation of Israel, but also what becomes the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we call Abraham the father of faith. Here was the thing, though. The Lord told Abraham to leave his family. For whatever reason, I don't know why Abraham did it, but Abraham took his son Lot. Now, the interesting thing, Lot's father, Haran, had died. So Abraham might have felt like, you know, here's my nephew, his father has died, I'll just take him with me. But the Lord didn't tell him to take Lot. He just told him to take his family, but he took Lot. Well, Abraham became more and more wealthy, more cattle, more sheep, more money, gold, silver. Same with Lot because he was with Abraham. That, that also is another message. But, but, but they both became very wealthy. Lot raising his family and all of his servants and all he's got and Abraham raising his. And even when they got to the place where the Lord told them to stay, there was still buku land out there. And they were starting to fight among themselves, their servants fighting with each other. Abraham says, you know, we're not going to be able to, to cohabitate together like this. We're both gaining too much. There's tension among the families. He says, but listen, all of this, everything that you can see with your naked eye and beyond, God has given us this. You can go wherever you want to go. Take your family, all of your wealth, and go wherever you want to go. It's, it, it would be perfectly fine. I'll give you first option. Well, Lot, and here's another sermon. I probably told you there's four sermons in that already, but here's another sermon. Lot looks and he takes the very best spot. Just a little side note. If somebody says you can have whatever, whatever it is there, 
don't take the best, just be humble. But anyway, Lot takes the best. That place that he took that was the best was Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what he chose. The scripture says this, and it's a little verse there. I don't think I need to explain about Sodom. How many of you heard of Sodom and Gomorrah? Okay, even if you didn't know it in context, Sodom and Gomorrah got to be a very, 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 very bad, bad place. A lot of sin, a lot of evil, a lot of stuff going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And even though Lot chose Sodom and Gomorrah and had now had children raising his family there, there's a verse in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, one little verse there that oftentimes people overlook, and it says that Lot's, Lot was being vexed in Sodom. In other words, and it went on to say that because he was a righteous man. In other words, Lot was in a place that he knew wasn't good. Lot was in a place where things was happening in his family life that wasn't good. Lot was in a place that he was, his, his relationship with God and his ability to lead his family toward God was being affected by the culture and what they were engaged in in Sodom. So he stayed there, but he was vexed by it. He didn't like the situation, but catch this, but he never changed it. He didn't like it, but he didn't change it. Well, Lot never did change it. So the Lord comes down and tells Abraham, I'm going to have to go down there and do something about Sodom and Gomorrah because of the evil of the people. Abraham knew that Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah and he appealed to God, will you spare the land if you can find 10 righteous people? And the Lord promised him, if I find 10, I'll spare the land. Well, there wasn't even 10 because of Lot. He had two daughters, two son-in-laws. It wasn't even 10. So the Lord, the angels of God go to Lot and say, listen, I need you to leave this place. God is going to destroy it. But Lot said, I want to be here with my family. Let me talk to my family. Can you just give it a night? And, and they, they let him go out and talk to his family to no avail. The next day they say, listen, you got to leave this place. God's going to destroy it. And he made more and more appeals to stay. Finally, the angels of God on the third day grabbed Lot and his wife and started dragging them out of the city. Because I want you to catch this. Even though Lot was vexed with the situation, he was not going to make a decision on his own to leave it. He was accustomed to it. He was used to it. His family was there. His, his daughters was there. His son-in-laws was there. Are y'all catching this? I'm talking about his family, but a whole lot of us stay in situations because we're just comfortable and accustomed to the way it is. We know we should change it, but we don't. And thank God there's a God that'll reach down in his grace and goodness and say, okay, I've tried this with you. It ain't working. I need to snatch you out of this. I need to snatch you out of this. But here's the point I want you to get. He snatched them out, started carrying them. But listen to what the angel of the Lord said to him in Genesis 19:17. As soon as the angels got them outside, one of them said this, listen, run for your lives and don't look back. Listen to me, when God gets us out of situations, when we recognize that we need to surrender ourselves to him, we got to hope for a future, listen to me, don't look back to those old situations, old relationships, old customs, old habits, old behavior, don't look back to that. Listen, Christians do not drive around town with rearview mirrors, we're always looking ahead. We're always looking forward. Don't look back. Paul said something about it in Philippians chapter 3. Catch this. This is out of the message. He's saying, I'm not saying that I have all this, this all together. 
that I have made it. But I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. That's the goal. Keep looking forward. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us, even if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear up your blurred vision. You'll see it. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Turn to your neighbor and say, stay on track. Stay on track. If God's got you on the right track, you stay on the right track. Don't look back. And here's the the third thing. Just form new habits. Just form new habits. We've got to break some bad habits, some old mindsets, and I'll deal with that in just a moment. Just some old behaviors and start some, some new ones. Oftentimes we approach the whole thing, maybe finances, faith, and fitness, and friends, and all of that, and we strike out uh, to change a lot of that. And, and, and you can, especially with the help of the Lord. But if you don't make some different changes in your, in your habit, can I, can I just tell you something, folks, that go down and get gym memberships? It's good. It's good that you go down and get a gym membership or however you're going to work out. But if you don't change your habit of your eating diet, it will not make a difference. You got to I just threw that in for free. Y'all looking at me like, uh, pastor, get out my stuff. I'm all up in your Kool-Aid, ain't I? But it's the truth. It's the truth. You got, there's, there's some good things you can do, but you got to break some bad habits along the way. Y'all doing all right? The message says it like this. We, we've heard this verse, but here it is in the message. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you. That's what God does. You keep your focus on him. Paul, when he said this, there was three things that I I saw that he was talking about. He was talking about the way we think, because everything to me, well, I, I think it's a fact. It starts with the mind, with the way you're thinking. And then he talked about alignment. He he says, you know, we got to change the way we think. We can't keep thinking in the world's way, the culture that we're used to, the things that are around us. And he, and he talked about putting your focus on God, your alignment. And then he talked about God will give us the ability to know what his good and perfect will is. And so, so it's this, this whole issue when it comes to breaking bad habits. Is it's, it starts with the way you think. It starts with the way that you align yourself with the purposes of God. And it, and it uh, consummates or is re- realized in the manner of how we rely on the Lord. Thinking is the beginning of it all. There's, there's a clip I want to show you. Uh, that I, I just really feels like demonstrate this. And let me read this verse first. It says, this is 2 Corinthians 10. I believe this is on the screen. It says, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Listen to what this verse is saying to us. Paul is saying, listen, as believers, we're all going to have thoughts that come into our head that are not good. They're not right. They're not healthy. They're not godly. 
They're not good choices. They're not things that we should ponder any time thinking about. But he says, because of the spirit of the Lord, we have the ability to determine whether those thoughts are of God or not. That's warfare for us. You see, warfare, yes, you put on the helmet of salvation, you put on the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, we can go right on down the line. You're right, you step out every day dressed for battle. But warfare also is in the mind. And this is what the scripture tells us, that there can be things that come into our mind that we have the ability to say, hold on, is that from God? Does that relate to the scripture? Is that right thinking? Is that healthy thinking? Is that loving thinking? Is that right thinking? And then the scripture says, if it's not, then you have the ability to cast that thought down. It it shouldn't even remain. It shouldn't even stay. Now, I am a big fan of Lord of the Rings. How many of you are familiar with Lord of the Rings? I got into a trap this morning in church. How many of you, uh, let me just see. So I know how many are here are fans of Lord of the Rings? Okay, some are, some not. So I need to, I need to tell you this because you're going to think I'm putting a demon on the screen. But there is a character in the Lord of the Rings series. His name is Smeagol. Smeagol was the, the person who intended to do good. He intended to do good. Somewhere down the line, though, Smeagol got infected with some bad. And that, the good character of him, the good nature of him that was Smeagol was getting overrun by the bad character and nature of him who is named Gollum. So you got Smeagol, good. Gollum, bad. I feel like I'm directing a movie here for a minute. But yes, yeah, Smeagol, good. Gollum, bad. And here's the thing. Smeagol and Gollum always battle within each other. Smeagol is always saying what he should do that's good, and he should, he should submit to the one who's leading him, who he calls the master, which is good. Gollum is always saying, no, we can't trust them. You got to steal. You got to lie. You got to cheat. You can't, do, you can't do what he's telling you to do. So on the screen, you're not seeing two characters. You're seeing one person who's arguing within himself in his mind. I, I hope I hope that helps. If y'all don't get it, don't leave. I'll wrap it up pretty good, but let's, let's play that clip. We need Must have the precious. They stole it from us. Sneaky little witches. Wicked, twitchy, false. No, no. Master? Yes, precious. First, they will cheat you, hurt you, lie. Master's my friend. You don't have any friends. (laughs) Nobody likes you. Not listening. Not listening. You're a liar. And a thief. No. Go away. Go away. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. Where would you be without me? Ellen, Ellen, I saved us. It was me. We survived because of me. Not anymore. What did you say? 
master looks after us now. We don't need you. What? Leave now and never come back. No. Leave now and never come back. Leave now and never come back. Let me help you. <laughs> Let me help you. Listen, I, I, I love it. Let me tell you why I love this scene. Because the flesh, just like God, will always say, you need me. Amen. You need me. I'm the one that's got you here. I'm the one that's helped you accomplish what you accomplished. It was what I told you to do with the money, not what the church told you, not what the Bible told you. It was what I told you to do in that relationship. The flesh will always tell you, you need me. But you got to have a little smeagol in you that turns to that flesh and says, I don't need you. I got a master. I don't need you. I got a master. You got to have, you got to have, my, my wife brought me a, a little thing for Christmas. It says, I, it says, I talk to myself and I answer myself because I always need expert advice. Listen, you, you got to have enough trust in the Holy Spirit in you that he's always going to tell you what's right to the point that you can tell that flesh, I don't need you. I don't want those thoughts. I don't want that uh, mindset. I don't want that activity. I don't want that. And why can you do it? Just like Smeagol said, because I'm free. I'm free in Christ Jesus. It starts with the mind. And then the scripture tells us that it goes with alignment. We, our mind is thinking right. We're building right habits on how we think. And now we can very easily align ourselves up with God's purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us this, that God has prepared some good works for us to do before the creation of the world. I want you to catch this. For those of you who thought maybe you were an accident or you don't have a purpose in life, I want you to hear what the Bible says. Before the creation of the world, God prepared good things for you to do, for you to do, for you to do, before the world was even created. And now the Bible asks us, just line up with the purposes of God. My habits, the things I do, the things I think, the way I behave is to line up with God's purpose. And I'm telling you, when you come to that kind of commitment, you can absolutely rely on God always guiding you to the good. You break bad habits, it begins with a reliance on a good God. I want to read uh, one more verse to you. And actually, I'll read this. Yeah, I'll read it out of two different translations, and then we'll close out. This is Romans 7. Listen to Paul again, talking about reliance on the Lord versus the flesh. He says, for I know that nothing good lives in me. That's in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me. And I think we can all relate that. You want to do what's good, but there's no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Constant battle that goes on with the believer. Then he goes on, and I'll read this out of the message. He says, I truly delight in God's commands. In other words, I enjoy hearing what God wants me to do. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me 
covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. Those parts within me, whether it be mind, whether it be heart, they take control. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. It's Jesus. It's relying on Jesus that will keep us in that place. Once our mind is right, once our alignment is right, it's relying on him to take us the rest of the way. I go to the car, this car wash where, you know, when you pull up, because you've, you know, already price has been paid. Another illustration I could use. You just pull up and it beeps, lifts up the little thing and you just keep on going. You make the little curve. You see a little yellow line and then you just head on into the car wash. Now, one time when I did that, there was a, a vehicle in front of me and the person came on around and Instead of looking at the fella who was doing the guiding, they just decided to drive up there the way they wanted to. So they hit the little railing. You, you saw the vehicle jerk. They had to back up. Instead of looking at the little fella, they decided they was going to go at it again. So they back up and they go again. This time they hit the railing on the right side, go off the side. The guy's telling them you got to back up. So they pull back again. This time they go at it again, and it looked like that time they was going to get it, but something hopped up, and the vehicles ended up on the rail. Finally, the guy comes over to the window and tells the person something, and then the person backs out, and this time goes a little bit slower and gets right on in in between the rails and goes. I'm watching this, and the Lord said, listen, do you know, Tyrone, that's how you can be? Do you know that you can be the one, if, you, if you, you can turn this corner and your mind can tell you, I know what to do, I can handle this on my own. And go, boom, right on the rails. Ignore the little fella. Or, or, and listen, we can do this in life. We, we think we got it down. We, we, I don't need nobody telling me, I got this, I've been successful, I know how to do this, and fall right off a cliff. Or go right over a curve. Or go right over the rails. And the whole time, can you, the only thing we got to think about is following around the corner, see the yellow line, and watch the fella bring you right on in. Do you know you don't even have to talk to him if you just watch him and he'll tell you what to do. All you got to do is rely on his direction. He, I don't know his name. He ain't never spoke to me. All he does is... All you got to do with the Lord is, and you're clean. It's just that simple. Just rely on the Lord. Everybody.